Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. I'm Brad Constantine, and this discussion is going to be about 2 Nephi chapter 11. Now, in the last uh, discussion, we talked about the talk that Jacob had given at General Conference, and now Nephi is going to talk. But this section, or this chapter here, is going to be an introduction to some of the chapters to follow, which are from Isaiah. And so um, I want to give just kind of a brief um overview of some of the things here that we're going to talk about. First of all, um, there are 16 chapters that are quoted in the Book of Mormon by Isaiah, and there's another 31 paraphrases in the Book of Mormon. Um, chapter 11 is the introduction to the 13 Isaiah chapters that follow. The Savior challenged us to search the words of Isaiah, for they are great. Nephi said in 2 Nephi 25, Wherefore, hearken, O my people, who, which are of the house of Israel, and give ear unto my words, for because the words of Isaiah are not plain unto you, nevertheless they are plain unto all those that are filled with the spirit of prophecy. And then when the Savior visited the Nephites, he said, Now behold, I say unto you that ye ought to search these things. Yea, a commandment I give unto you that ye search these things diligently, for great are the words of Isaiah. Elder McConkie said, It just may be that our salvation, and yours also, does in fact depend upon our ability to understand the writings of Isaiah as fully and truly as Nephi understood them. And then uh, there are ten keys to understanding Isaiah. And um, let me just read you through read through these. These are from Elder McConkie. He says, Pay the price in study and effort. Have the spirit of prophecy. Understand the manner of prophesying of the Jews. Become familiar with the geography of the Holy Land and regions surrounding it. Learn of the judgments of God and the fulfillment of his prophecies. Understand the historical setting of Isaiah's writings. Use the Book of Mormon. Study all scriptures and learn them thoroughly. Use the edition of the Bible published by the church. And Isaiah is understood line upon line. Another thing to keep in mind is that Isaiah didn't always speak in chronological order, so each chapter needs to be looked at carefully within its own historical context. Even sometimes verses, uh, he can go back and forth between his day uh, prophecies about what's happening around him, and then uh, the last days and about the Savior. Generally speaking, there's like four or five different themes that Isaiah speaks about. The scattering of Israel, the gathering of Israel, the Messiah coming his first time and second time, the gathering uh, or the millennial era, and the last days. So those are some of the themes. So when we, as we're reading through this, you'll be able to tell maybe sometimes which is which. According to Jewish authorities, Isaiah's father, Amoz, was the brother of Amaziah, the king of Uzziah, the father of Uzziah, which would make Isaiah of royal lineage and a cousin of Uzziah, king of Judah. His ministry was between 742 and 700 BC. The covenant people were not carrying out their mission to bless the nations of the earth and were resisting all of God's efforts to reclaim them. And so that's what Isaiah is mostly talking about. Chapter 11, verse 1. And now Jacob spake many more things, we only have a small portion of the records, to my people at that time. Nevertheless, only these things have I caused to be written, for the things which I have written sufficeth me. And now I, Nephi, write more of the words of Isaiah, for my, my soul delighteth in his words. For I will liken his words unto my people, and I will send them forth unto all my children. For he verily saw my Redeemer, even as I have seen him. 
and my brother Jacob has also seen him. So here Nephi is doing um, what other prophets have done, and that's using the law of witnesses. He's talking here about um, Isaiah and himself and Jacob have seen the Savior. So he's doing the three, uh, the three witnesses rule. Um, in as much as uh, this rule is important, we know about the, the three witnesses to the Book of Mormon. Uh, again, obeying the law of witnesses uh, early on here in the Book of Mormon. My brother Jacob also has seen him as I have seen him. Wherefore, I will send the, their words forth unto my children to prove unto them that my words are true. Wherefore, by the words of three, God hath said, I will establish my word. Nevertheless, God sendeth more witnesses, and he proveth all his words. So there are more than just three witnesses, obviously. We have the Quorum of the Twelve and the First Presidency that are also witnesses that go forth throughout the world. Elder Holland said, I am suggesting here that Nephi, Jacob, and Isaiah are three early types and shadows of Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, and Martin Harris, if you will. Witnesses positioned right at the front of the book where Oliver, David, and Martin would be positioned. That Nephi, Jacob, and Isaiah are the three great ancient witnesses of the Book of Mormon, are more particularly the first three great witnesses in the Book of Mormon testifying to the divinity of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He who will be the central commanding presiding figure throughout the Book of Mormon. Nephi stresses this idea himself when he writes in the 11th chapter of 2 Nephi. Verse 4, Behold, my soul delighteth in proving unto my people the truth of the coming of Christ. For for this end hath the law of Moses been given, and all things which have been given of God from the beginning of the world unto man are the typifying of him. And also my soul delighteth in the covenants of the Lord, which he hath made to our fathers. Yea, my soul delighteth in his grace, and in his justice, and power, and mercy, in the great and eternal plan of deliverance from death, or the plan of salvation. My soul delighteth in proving unto my people that save Christ should come, all men must perish. Since this is Nephi's introduction to Isaiah, what will Isaiah focus on? He focuses on Christ. On Christ. For there is to be for there be no Christ. I'm sorry, let me back up. Verse 7. For if there be no Christ, there be no God. And if there be no God, we are not. For there could have been no creation, but there is a God, and he is Christ. And he cometh in the fullness of his own time. And now I write some of the words of Isaiah, that whoso of my people shall see these words may, may lift up their hearts and rejoice for all men. Now these are the words, and, and ye may liken them unto you and unto all men. So he's saying here to liken these words unto, unto each of us. Gospel principles do not tarnish with time. Nor do they apply with greater effect in one day than in another. The Lord has said, what I say unto one, I say unto all. The art of gospel teaching is to make timeless principles timely. Nephi did this by taking these prophecies, those prophecies that were made to the entire house of Israel, and specifically applying them to his own family, who are part of the house of Israel. And that was from McConkie and Millet in the Doctrinal Commentary of the Book of Mormon. Um, Gene R. Cook said, it is absolutely essential to apply the scriptures to yourself. When we're searching to apply them to our own hearts is when we, they really come alive. If you really want to come unto the Lord, if you really want to draw close to him and find out how he is, how he works, how he thinks, how, what he counts to be important and what he doesn't, you'll find it in the scriptures. Brigham Young said, do you read the scriptures, my brethren and sisters, as though you were writing them a thousand, two thousand or five thousand years ago? Do you read them as though you stood in the place of the men who wrote them? If you do not feel thus, it is your privilege to do so, that you may be as familiar with the spirit and meaning of the written word of God as you are with your daily walk and conversation or as you are with your workmen or with your households. I bear testimony of the importance of applying the scriptures to ourselves 
and uh, doing what Nephi has said here to do. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.